There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The new IRA has admitted it shot Detective Chief Inspector John Caldwell in Oma last Wednesday. The new IRA has claimed responsibility for the attempted murder of PSNI Detective Chief Inspector John Caldwell. A type statement plastered on a wall in Derry said it was behind the OMA attack. The distant Republican group known as the new IRA. 25 years after the Omar bombing and DCI John Caldwell is a man fighting for his life. It included a warning that the group will continue to target what it calls crime forces. We continue to work against these groups. We know that they have a level of capability and as we've seen, um, this horrific attack played out last night. Several men have been arrested over the attack and a car involved has been identified. Six men aged between 22 and 71 have been arrested as part of our investigation and remain in custody. Today I am releasing CCTV footage of the car used by the gunmen. At the time of recording this podcast, DCI Caldwell remained in a critical but stable condition in Altengelvin Hospital. At this time, we believe at least 10 shots were fired by the gunmen. John remains in hospital, where his condition remains critical but stable. With the latest on this story and with her expert analysis, I'm joined by our security correspondent, Alison Morris. Alison, you're welcome once again to the Bell Tale. Last week, Alison, we reported what we knew about this story with Sharon O'Neill from the Sunday Life. But this story has moved on rapidly in many ways since last week. Yeah, we know a lot more details about the actual event and then also the investigation that's happened since then. And also then as well, there's been time for reflection and questions to be asked in relation to the IRA, you know, um, what were they doing? Were they recruiting? Were they regrouping? You know, have the intelligence services taken their eye off the ball? All of those questions will be being asked, but also the, the new information, I suppose, that we know. We knew the two gunmen had opened fire on John Caldwell as he was packing up the car at the end of a, a training session with the, the Burris Swifts under 15s, whose son played for. Um, but since then, we've known that there was 10 shots fired from those two weapons. Four of those are believed to have hit um, DCI Caldwell somewhere around the torso. He managed to run a short distance um, away. He shouted run to the children, including his own son, who were in the vicinity when he seen the gunmen coming. Um, and then what also, I suppose, what saved his life ultimately was that apparently there was a, a doctor, quite an experienced doctor, who was training at the ground that night. I think he was jogging around the, the pitch and he was able to 
to give him um, first aid at the scene before the ambulance arrived. And that, you know, the, the Police Federation has said that first aid that he was given at the scene undoubtedly helped save his life for long enough for him to get to hospital to get um, surgery and get operated on. So he remains in a, a critical, we're told, but stable condition, but he has been um, kept sedated, heavily sedated and induced, induced coma since then. So um, his family, we're told, are, you know, with him during all this. And we also had a, a visit from the, the Prime Minister this week, who is in Belfast on Tuesday in relation to the protocol deal, who um, one of the first things he said at a visit to the Coca-Cola factory was that, you know, the thoughts were with, with his family. So the investigation's very much ongoing. There's currently six people who differ in age range from 22 to 71. That is the scope of the range of the, the six suspects currently under arrest. Police have applied several times for a number of extensions to hold them. Do we have any indication as to why DCI Caldwell was targeted? Was he involved in any kind of investigation which might have singled him out? As with DCI Caldwell, he couldn't have been more high profile. He really couldn't have, you know. So he was involved in the, the Ronan the Ronan Carr murder investigation, which would have put him in direct contact. But he was also, if you look at sort of this formation of the new IRA, and you go back to the Regency attack, you can't get much more high profile than that. Um, and the high, the the trial that's going on at the minute of, um, you know, Jerry Hutch that trial in terms of that he was the PSNI's point of contact he went down to give evidence to that trial one day and then very recently he was involved in the he was the senior investigating officer for the first week of the Natalie McNally murder case before he was then replaced um, by Neil McGuinness but he'd give several media interviews during that time and that killing you know of that young pregnant um, woman couldn't have been more high profile and he was seen quite a lot on television and then he was the senior investigating officer in the Shane Whitler, that gangland murder in Lurgan um, in January. And again, give quite a lot of media interviews. So, I mean, in terms of targeting, even if, you know, people didn't know he was a police officer, those youth teams are constantly playing other teams from all walks of life. Is it beyond the possibility that someone went, watch the TV and went, that's that big lad who coaches for the, you know, Burra Swifts? I believe that most of them would have already have known who John Caldwell was, but the fact that his profile had had been elevated to such a height in recent months is surely got to be part of the investigation as to why he ended up being the person targeted in this way. Well, it's a very long time since we've seen this up close and personal type of gun attack on a on a on a policeman in here. Um, were you surprised by this attack? Yeah, the 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 new IRA don't have not operated in this way before. They just they haven't. You know, the attempted murders of police officers that have taken place have been under car bombs. So you know, dead of night stuff. Come along the dead of night, place a device under a car. Um, most of those then the bombs didn't explode or they were spotted by the the officer ahead of time. Um, and the only real shooting I could think of was carried out. Well, they did the, the shooting of the prison officer, David Black, and that was, again, something that I suppose in terms of unexpected by the intelligence service, they actually drove along beside him on the motorway um, and someone you know in the back of the car opened up on, on him as he was driving along. Then there was a shooting in 2017, but that was from quite a distance and it was random. So it was officers had been used in a garage in the Crumlin Road during their break and they had worked out that there was a pattern to what time they get their break at. And gunmen had hidden in waste ground across the road and opened fire, hit one of the, the officers in the hand. But this 
is completely different. So this is a very targeted. You know, they had a specific target in mind. It was very public. There was a lot of children around. It was the children's youth team. It's a sports ground that's used extensively by the community. You know, numerous witnesses. Um, and as you say, they had to walk up and be get very close to him to shoot him. Now, what I have been told is that they appeared very nervous and extremely inexperienced in terms of that. So, you know, the the podcasts that we have we have carried out, say the like of the Sean Fox or JD Dunnigan murders. I mean, they were assassinations. You know, the person walked up and or people and walked up and you know emptied two weapons into Sean Fox in 21 seconds we were told you know the 20 odd shots were fired at him he was never walking out of that you know social club at that time in this case there was 10 shots fired many of them had cars that were parked nearby um, and you know DC Caldwell managed to, to get away um, he suffered very bad internal injuries I'm told but the fact that he's still alive would indicate that these gunmen weren't as experienced to say the gunmen involved in those type of shootings um, none of that is any, any comfort at all I'm sure to the Caldwell family or to the you know his PSNI colleagues but um, they're all important details when it comes to identifying who may or may not have been involved in this because the number of people who exist who can walk up to someone and shoot them in that manner, you know, is very small. You know, the majority of people who join these distant Republican organisations take part in quite sort of minor activities, you know, targeting activities, maybe moving stuff from one place to another. The the number of people who could actually be gunmen of this type is, is incredibly small. Today I am releasing CCTV footage of the car used by the gunmen. This is a blue Ford Fiesta. We have established that the car was purchased in Ballyclare and was observed travelling towards Belfast on the M2 motorway that night. It was next noted leaving Belfast. That's the night before John was attacked. And then the car is, it was actually bought on um, February the 8th in Ballyclare. It travels to Belfast along the M2. Um, that night it was bought, so on February the 8th, I'm told it went to, the, to North Belfast, to the Ardoran area. And it's next noted on those number plate reading cameras, which are situated all along motorways and in other places and also in police cars and all such other things. It was noted leaving Belfast around half nine on Tuesday, February the 21st, which is the day before then um, they say Caldwell is targeted in Oma. So there had to be assistance from another branch of those just another unit of those distant Republicans in Belfast because that car was clearly stored somewhere for that period of time to then be used in this attack. This attack has been claimed by the Irish Republican Army. Now that's, we would describe that group as as the new IRA um, in a rather bizarre method, I think. I've, I've never known that to happen. So um, on Sunday night, a, a type message appeared on a wall at a, in a, a shop at Craigan and, and Derry. Um, they say they're the new IRA, but the, the IRA famously is anyone who know who ever reported during the trouble signed their statements, P. O'Neill. Um, the new IRA signed theirs, T. O'Neill, um, which is the, the, the name always used by that distant organisation. And, you know, I, I pointed out this week on Twitter, which is a very, you know, uh, sort of a place where nuance is it's not really greatly appreciated. That they call themselves the IRA, but they're the only people who call themselves the IRA. Everyone else calls them the new IRA. Um, and the reason why I point that out is not as people on Twitter try to claim was, oh, you're trying to you know, cover up. They're all the same thing. It's because they use that for a very specific reason. They call themselves that because they wanted to 
associate themselves or cling to some romanticised notion of the past, which they then used to give themselves legitimacy, which is then in turn used to suck very young people into that organisation because they painted these picture that these people are the direct descendants of something that could go right back to, you know, 1916 and they try and cut. And that's why they use it. They use it because it's supposed to give them legitimacy and help them then with that recruiting process and with the grooming of young people into that organisation. So it's very important to point out that that is why they use that name. It's not in any way trying to dismiss what they do or trying to say that that kind of murder is different from another kind of murder. It's to show that that is what it is they're trying to cling to, you know, and use um, names of, of people such as hunger strikers and all sorts of other things to try and put legitimacy on their organisation so they can get very young Republican men from Republican communities and try and suck them into that organisation. So that's the only reason why I point out the fact that that is why they use that name. But yeah, I mean, these claims and, you know, in the past... You know, most newsrooms have taken claims of responsibility. They used to be phoned into the BBC or UTV or, you know, newspapers I've worked in. Or in some cases, they rang through to charities or, you know, all sorts of other things. Um, I have never known a type statement to be placed on the wall in this way. Maybe it has happened and someone will correct me. But, you know, in my time, I can't remember a claim of responsibility ever coming in this manner. And... <sighs> The wording I find, I've, I've, maybe I was being, maybe this is the way these things were always wording. It was almost like um, it's worded. You would think it's it, it it's it's the U.S. Air Force talking about a, an airstrike in Syria. You know, it is um, you know military operation targeting senior Crown Force member. Uh, all volunteers return to base. Uh, an active service unit in position to target the enemy within our chosen kill zone. Um. Not to take away from the seriousness of it, but it, it does seem, it seems a wee bit cosplay. It is a bit. I mean, it's like something from, you know, war news in the 1970s. You know, they used to have that like stripping on faux block where it had things that were worded in that very static way. It's actually quite childish in the um, in the wording of it, I thought. You know, it's, it, as you say, it's, it's you know, there's no, it, it bore no resemblance to reality of what of what it's actually it actually has all volunteers returned safely to base you know um, we will know within the next couple of days what is happening with the police investigation into that but um, and obtaining you know security information it's obviously trying to you know the, the aim of these attacks is not just obviously it was an attack on Mr Caldwell which is a very personal thing but also to dissuade other people from joining the PSNI, specifically people from the nationalist community, and that's why that language uh, and there was a, is used. An implicit threat uh, to, uh, uh, you know, the Irish Republican Army intelligence are now in possession of security information regarding the out-of-bounds movement of Crown Force personnel. We would say this, you still have to try and live a normal life day to day. One of these days, the IRA will be waiting. So the style of the statement changes dramatically. It's in this quasi-militaristic and then it just goes straight into like a straight yeah. threat. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I can imagine how that was penned and the people sitting around the table thinking that that all made them sound like, you know, they were some sort of revolutionaries. But I mean, it just, it reads almost almost like quite a sort of childish attitude towards something that's a very serious business. Nevertheless, we have to take this seriously. I mean, the I, the new IRA... The and I have been warned in relation to the fact that obviously there has been a regrouping and that they are active again and that there is always the possibility that another similar attack be carried out because 
you know, members of the police are, are members of the community as well. You know, they have to go to the shops, they have to go to Tesco, they go play sports, they socialise, you know, off duty, they do all the same things that the rest of us do. Um, and all of those things could possibly be considered putting yourself a threat in, in some way or another. Um and so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's supposed it's very deliberate because the whole aim of these things, like, like, let's be real, there's none of this is aimed at achieving a united Ireland, none of it, you know, targeting a police officer or what the new RA have been doing, even in their heyday, you know, when they had large numbers and before the Dennis McFadden situation, it was, you know. 10, 12 attacks a year. Most of them were thwarted. It was never, you know, a campaign of any description that was really, that even was making the news over in England, never mind, you know, the the way the sort of um, IRA's bombing campaign of London would have been, you know, headline news across the board. The These attacks mainly weren't even making a ripple in the sort of international news, although we were obviously covering them locally. What most, and even when, you know, the group that calls itself Oakland O'Hearn, when they said that they were going to on ceasefire, what they had said at that time and what people, you know, I suppose like the RSP, who's, you know, the political wing of the NLA have said is that they can see a clear roadmap towards United Ireland now that was produced by the Good Friday Agreement and one, you know, and a future border poll. This isn't going to achieve anything of that magnitude and that's why there's a complete lack of political direction here. There's a lack of political intelligence and a lack of political direction from this organisation. They couldn't possibly try and explain away their actions in any political way. But what they are doing is making sure the policing can't be normalised. So there was actually a discussion a couple of weeks ago before this happened about police not being routinely armed anymore. Like a very, you know, debate was debated on radio shows. Now clearly that's off the table now. That's not going to happen. Um so it's to make sure the policing isn't normalised, that attitudes towards policing in areas where they want to contain some area of control remain the same. They remain um, where the police have to then, if the police are only doing their job on a security footing. So if you're an 18-year-old from Craigan and the only time you see a police officer is in a Land Rover, you know, dressed in the sort of TSG uniforms, um, you're never going to see a normalised police service as such and you're never going to consider them like that. And this is all part of that. So it's to stop normalisation. It's to dissuade people from joining the PSNI um, and it's to keep things uh, basically in the, the, the manner that they want because that helps them recruit and helps them then gain some kind of control over their communities. But does it have any any impact whatsoever on what I suppose what people would have said Republicans' aims were in the past, you know, Darren, it has the opposite. Can you imagine people in the South who are obviously going to be crucial to any debate at United Ireland looking at that and saying, well, why would we want to attach ourselves when the people like that run in the place? So they know that it's actually doing, well, maybe they don't know, that it's actually doing the opposite to what, what they think they're trying to achieve. It's very much tactical rather than strategic. We talked, you I mean, you mentioned the political element of this we as journalists, we go out there all the time, we talk to people and we try to take the pulse and we have many conversations. I mean, clearly in the nationalist community in its widest sense, not everybody uh, supports Sinn Féin probably. I mean, I wouldn't like to put a number on it, but there are many, many people who you would could describe as non-mainstream Republicans, non-Sinn Féin Republicans. There are many people whom you could describe one way or the other as dissident Republicans. I have to say, however... It's been a long time. It's been a long time since I would have stumbled upon someone who would like to see even limited armed action, never mind a full-on campaign. 
the media were probably responsible for using that term distant Republican just too liberally. It was just, it was a, a tag that was attached after, I suppose, in around the Oma bomb time. Just to, and as you said, there are people who, whether they were traditional, I suppose, Republicans who disagree entirely with Sinn Féin's strategy, but they don't disagree with the, the aim or the objective of an all-Ireland, you know, of this country being in, in one way united at, at some point, but they do disagree with the method they're going around doing it. They would, I suppose, be considered politically distant Republicans. They would say they're not. Um, their their politics haven't changed. But the very few of them who I've spoke to have, you know, in any way got any truck with any kind of violence because they've seen that the objectives, are, it's just, it's counterproductive in terms of what they would like to see happening in the future. There are such a small number. I mean, in terms of the new IRA, you know, it's 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 such small numbers and it's very, very geographically localised. So it's the very certain specific areas. So you have a small number. And when I say small, I mean double figures in and around parts of, of North and West Belfast. You have then a larger number, a larger base in the Northwest. So in and around Straban and Derry. And, you know, when I say this, not even all of Derry, almost confined to the Craigan. You know, it's 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 such a small number of people, and then obviously we have this Tyrone, East Tyrone sort of element of them as well. So it's geographically very localized. They don't even have at this point in time. There would have been in the early days of what we would call violent distant republicanism. They're doing quite a, a big cohort of people who would have been former professionals from in around those border counties who became involved in the real IRA and you know. Um, so it is a very small, small group of people, but that doesn't mean that they can't cause mayhem and misery. Well, you don't need thousands of people to be able to go out and shoot a police officer. You really only need, there was obviously a backup, a support group involved in this as well as the two gunmen, but you really only need 10, 15 people to carry out an attack such as this. As we said, the new IRA has been weakened, but as we've just mentioned, still capable of shooting uh, PSNI officers. What do you think comes next? I think that we're probably going to see a crackdown similar to what happened after the shooting of Larry McKay, because, you know, as I said about the Dennis McFadden thing, to go back to that, he had been embedded in there for a very long time. And clearly, even though there had been attacks on prison officers and police officers, there was obviously a decision made that he has now served his worth, we're going to pull him out. But before we pull him out, we're going to do X, Y and Z. I would imagine that crackdown, which was aimed at trying to get rid of that group altogether, we'll see a very similar sort of crackdown now from a policing point of view. And especially because it's one of their colleagues, you can see that they'll be personally invested in this. From a policing point of view, they'll want to get as many of them arrested and on charges as possible. Um, and not necessarily do they have to be charges connected to this murder, but charges of any kind of description whatsoever so that they can get people remanded or in very strict bail conditions so that they're properly monitored. Um, and that that can do two things. That can help make sure that there's a lull in attacks. But remember too, they all, all, there's always a tread in the train line between that and what can be used as propaganda by this organisation as well. So I would assume that every resource available and possible is currently being directed at this investigation, which I know is huge in terms of not just what evidence is being put to the people who are arrested, but that evidence is being 
gathered hourly and daily. But going forward, there's clearly going to have to be a regrouping of what, whatever, whoever took their eye off the ball and allowed this to happen. I think there'll be questions asked of them and there'll be a very real attempt to try and get control of the situation again because it doesn't look good, let's face it. Um, you know, we're told that the threat level's reduced, but the intelligence agencies have this group all but shut down and then a police officer shot in front of his kid, you know, while coaching football. None of that looks good too for the, the agencies who are paid extreme amounts of money and have very large budgets to make sure these things don't happen. Osmar, security correspondent of the Belfast Telegraph, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This episode of The Belltale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from Channel 4, the BBC and Sky News. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.